welcome to Find My Words. It's lovely to see so many of you here. This is brilliant. I thought being this close to Christmas, you'd all be, I don't know, late night shopping. Thank you all for being here. This is lovely. So we have a brilliant night ahead for you. Uh, as always, we've got two fantastic headliners in the forms of Ben Norris and Keisha Thompson. So a round of applause for them. Um, our speed poet this evening is uh, Millie. So a round of applause for Millie. Cool. Uh, I'm going to introduce our first headliner for this evening. Um, so I first saw uh, Keisha performing at Glastonbury this year um, in uh, the poetry tent, which is a relatively small tent, but she was really brilliant. And then later that evening, I was just wandering around and I sort of wandered into this pretty huge tent that was absolutely packed. And she was on the stage doing poems with like Buddy Wakefield and the Tung Fu bands. And she was brilliant. She kind of blew everyone away and I've wanted to get her here ever since. So round of applause, please, for Keisha Thompson. I'm really like glad to be here. Um, I, I've heard really good things about Leicester and everyone that I've met from Leicester has been really lovely. Um, but also I'm really glad to be here because I got off at the wrong stop before. <laughs> I got in the taxi and I was like, the West, the Western please. And he was like, this is Loughborough. And I was like, oh. It's that time of year, isn't it? When we kind of, I just need Christmas to happen. I need Christmas now. Um, but yeah, so I'm genuinely glad to be here for multiple reasons. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going to do a little set. Um, I'm going to start with a poem that I wrote two months ago. Um, I'm a part of a collective called Inner Voice in Manchester, which is like an older version of Young Identity, which is run by Shirley May in Frisco. I just like to name drop because it's just nice to credit people. Um, but yeah, they asked us to write these origin poems which felt really weird at first. But then I was like, oh, it's actually a nice poem to introduce yourself with and discuss like where you've come from as a poet. Uh, so it doesn't have a name, it's just called Origin. We are the scrolls of Saul Williams, the beat of a Mary Baraka, the jets of Sonia Sanchez. We are, we are, we are, we are, we are. It started not with the gentle opening of the third eye. It started not with the fourth wind whistling through a wind chime. It started when I was about nine in an average sized classroom. Looking to my right to see John Agard, Grace Nichols and Benjamin Zephaniah. People who looked like me and spoke like my parents bending the English language to their whim. It started with learning about Anne Frank and Martin Luther King, learning that words can grow like sunflower seeds or fold themselves into origami birds and take flight. It started with having the audacity to try, seeing my words up in the corridor, gold framed, and then being asked to read those words in assembly the next day. It started with the prickling of ears, it started here. It continued with teenage scribbles in the back of exercise books, hoping that one day my teachers would look 
And it continued with Miss Narayanan and Miss Ibeg Buna coaxing me to write more. It continued with publishings and readings and commissions. And it continued with knowing that some days my words would look like shit. It continued with keeping a book beside the bed for nocturnal inspiration. All thoughts float down to rest on the existential window ledge when no one is looking like the quantum waves of the electron. It continued with knowing that it will never be right, so it should just be true. It continued with a tattoo, a carnal covenant between the me then and the me that I can only squint at through the lens of presumption. And it continues like this, with me making a song of myself and someone far off in the distance clicking. Thank you. Uh, this poem's called As All Boys Did So I Tried To Do and it's resp in response to a Roger Robinson poem. He's got an anthology called The Butterfly Hotel and he wrote this poem called As All Boys Did. Um, and when I read it, I was like, I did, I did that. I did those things. <laughs> so I needed to write this poem. Headers, gray feelers, salt on slugs. Wren and Stimpy, protests in McDonald's when they gave me a Barbie instead of a car. Scars upon scars on corduroy knees, running face first to the wind to win the playground race, Chinese burns and headlocks, until I was asked to show him me privates. The pretense was deciphered. Not one of them. I didn't even let him see my church dresses or me butterfly wings. I was singing football chants louder than the next lad. Tekken and need for speed, a fist to the screen, then a stern look from my mother. No more PlayStation till you learn to calm your temper. I was an open mouth breather, flicking collectible coins, playing to the binary of this biology, this species. Bird feces on the shoulder is a good sign. I've been stabbing trees and cutting the doll's hair off kickboxing and blue socks, wrestling and moored and moored and moored and throwing rocks in the park instead of bread and straddling the shed and coming to the edge like evil Knievel, ready to break bones and hoping I'll crack myself open. Show them all this rotten spice and everything nice and pink like blood curdled with piss. This is what I'm made of. Um, this next poem that I'm gonna read, I'm feeling a bit strange right actually, because I know there are loads of teachers in the audience. Is that right? Some? Okay. Yeah, I studied a PGCE, but I'm not a teacher. <laughs> but I really, truly, like genuinely respect teachers and what, and what you do on a daily basis, because I think the system is completely outrageous. And the way that we're talked about in the newspapers and just like all the, the budget cuts and, and the pressure I think I think it's insane um but yeah so whilst I was studying to be a maths teacher this poem started to brew within me because it reminded me of how I was taught when I was in school um and how I was being told to teach which I didn't like uh so this poem is called Algebra A squared plus b squared equals c squared. I used to think I was aware of its meaning, leaning back on my chair, cocky in a classroom, obsessed with getting the answer without looking for the truth. See, school systems have a way of twisting things up like Rubik's cubes. 
They'll tell you about algebra without explaining that it's Arabic, a word handpicked from a foreign land meaning the reunion of broken things. Algebra is the alchemy of the unknown, which means that A can stand for anything. And I would give anything to go back to my classroom, arm raised like Einstein's fringe, to ask if A could stand for the abolition of transatlantic slavery. Could it stand for the aggressive abstraction that makes your teacher tell you only of Wilberforce and the House of Commons? Never bothered to ask to show the working out, because surely to get full marks, you need to mention the Underground Railroad or Harriet Tubman or the Haitian Revolution. I mean, surely to get full marks, you've got to include that bit where Wilberforce had to argue that slaves are seen as property in order to set them free. Some sugar-sweet hypocrisy turned my ancestors into outdated machines so that the slave masters would weep the redundancy fee. The inconvenience of the human spirit led to the biggest bailout that this country's ever seen. I think A could stand for Aviva. And all those companies we use today kick-started with slave money. A could stand for Abraham Lincoln, who only fought against slavery because of its inefficiency. Let the slaves be independent so they can pay for their own poverty. This is algebra, the reunion of broken things. I think B could stand for Black Panthers bottled up and brought to you by Beyonce. Now, I don't have a problem with her tribute per se, but why should a Super Bowl break be the classroom of today? Why does it take a pop song to validate my body, my skin, my past? B could stand for Brazilian beauty queens too black to be broadcast. B could stand for Burger King meals served to an assassin with a backdrop of burning black churches. B could stand for bleaching creams that are an attempt to make my race more invisible than it already is. I'm just trying to teach some algebra. It's the reunion of broken things. I suppose that C could stand for colonialism, capitalism, coercion, credo, colorlessness, censorship, cultural, castrato, all I know is this curriculum is a caesarean section of mass destruction. It will reach into your womb and snatch you from your roots unless you are prepared. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Some of you might know this as Pythagoras' theorem without knowing the meaning of his name. It can translate to destruction is a marketplace. And some of you may only know this theorem because it's been named after a Greek man, despite being used way back when the Egyptians were black to build the pyramids. It was used by the Babylonians before Pythagoras was getting his ass kissed by Euclid. So why is it named after him? No mention of its heritage. This is algebra, the reunion of broken things. I think C could stand for children scribbling confused calculations in the confines of their Cartesian pages filling each square with just one digit, rehearsing their limits. I think C could stand for critique. And there's a reason you won't find any of this in your textbooks, because maybe then everything that we've been taught would actually start to add up. Sorry, I was tripping on my words a bit there. <laughs> um, I'm gonna do one more poem. Is the poem that you saw me doing in the tent. <laughs> and that surprised me at Glasgow when I was asked to do 
um, that performance with the Rum Shackle group because I just thought it was going to be like the Poetry Words tent, which gets a nice little crowd, but it's a very little crowd that it was like, whoa, this is a lot of people listening to poetry. But I think they were there for Kate Tempest. She was after me. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a poem about uh, Guyana, which is where my mum's from in South America and how I feel when I go there. Little drip drop falling on my zinc roof today. Maybe it's my dreams they're calling out to play. Maybe it's end days, or maybe it's the rain. Like Aztec grain in the belly of a warrior. I lie under this zinc roof and wait for my truths to uncover. This is what it's like to hover between two lands and belong to neither. Walking barefoot and wild-haired in this land of rivers, sending my cum-hivers to the Jamun Twees and the Guyanese weather. Like divinity to the Magi, this English girl can't keep herself from the sky in heady rapture with the stars because city smog has left mine scarred and now I have time for my astronomy books. I've been getting dirty looks in sobriety of the piquant, these locals, but I am not. You will find me at the feet of my grandfather as he holds his stories like tamarind seeds. You wouldn't believe the syncopation of the silver-headed crickets. Can't help but hum your own tune. I wish I could spring from this veranda like a sun-cracked marabunta, tilt my head like a singer-man and pucker to the moon. Little drip drop falling on my zinc roof today. Maybe it's my dreams, they're calling out to play. Maybe it's end days, and maybe it's the rain. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Right, so we're going to introduce our first open micer up for this evening. So, a round of applause, please, for Chris. Hi, find the right words. We were so punk rock, riding motorbikes down sixth form corridors and racing police Kawasaki's on drop through longboards. Our bloody knees flexing hard to flip down impossibly high staircases over fearless cameraman. Every rip in our jeans had a story, most of which involved falling out of trees or into love. And we weren't going to change the world, but we were going to get fucked up and party with it. We'd have been disappointing to our families if it wasn't clear that we were having such a good time time, rolling by the bank of the river, missing class because we missed each other too much to stay there. It was nights out drinking Molotov cocktails and spitting fire in the face of tomorrow, kicking into shirtless Spartan mosh pits full of bruises and smiles and sweat, ricocheting off bodies, off promises, off the rails and off our heads. We embraced hedonism with both arms and rammed our tongues so far down its throat we could tie its shoelaces. And we did too because we love to show off. Endless nights of wasting potential, getting wasted and chasing through streetlight shadows. Occasionally stopping for something life-changing and absurd in equal 50 mil measures. Like talking someone high as balls down from trying to get closer to God by jumping off a multi-story car park. Don't worry, I have wings! No, you don't. And you don't have irises either. 
We didn't care about our own pains because they were shared to fractions of nothing. Our hearts sat in each other's pockets while our souls were resting on a beach between waves. We all had burns on our bodies from getting too close to the sun, but we didn't care because it can be quite fun applying after sun in a warm tent with the right person. But gradually hedonism stopped returning our calls, changing our shared status to it's complicated. The mad kick-out scar on the record player was replaced with the dub plate, instrumental thoughtful rumbles. The endless nights ended sooner than we expected and we discovered days. And our minds returned from the beach for long enough for us to get letters and paperwork and whole clothes. And in time, we became musicians and teachers, strippers and dealers, lawyers and writers, and even policemen. We became the same people we always were, just with the volume turned down a bit. So now when we meet, we don't compare scars like before. Instead, we just bask, savouring the rum and warmth of what we shared in the nights. And what we'll share again in tomorrow's blinding sunlight. Because we're still so goddamn punk rock. Cheers. Brilliant. Next up is Kathy. Um, so this one is inspired by the many hideous headlines of the Daily Mail and the Daily Express. The immigrants are coming with their egg and chips, Watney's Red Barrel and the Kiss Me Quicks. The immigrants are coming with their karaoke bars, Sambuca shots, and they're giving it large. The immigrants are coming with their pilgrim claims, land to grad, and native peoples to slain. The immigrants are coming with their tea taken high, plundering, then dividing an Indian sky. The immigrants are coming with their empty ships, laden with slaves for the return trips. The immigrants are coming with the kings and queens reigning red, white and blue on lands of emerald green. The immigrants are coming with their prison boats inflicting colonial rule in their blood red coats. The immigrants are coming with their Christian laws creating sins for beliefs that have gone before. The immigrants are coming with their trade and land deals leaving countries worn torn, no oil or diamond can heal. The immigrants are coming with the remaking of history, like it only began with a Thanksgiving turkey. The immigrants are coming with their common language and chat, taking over this land. But hey, to us, they're just expats. <laughs> Um, next up, she's brand new to Find the Right Words, so make her really welcome. It's Kay Azara. I do this every time. It's Kalzara. <laughs> um, I'm going to do two poems today. Um, I normally do spoken word. Well, I'm actually at University of Leeds, so I'm on the spoken word committee. Um, well, I've not done one in a while because... I study Arabic in business, so I've been in Morocco for the past four months, but I decided to do a bit of spoken word today. This one's called Spices Don't Mix. To the girl who never got to marry her childhood sweetheart, whose skin reminds her of caramel carnations on hot summer's day, who sat at the back of his wedding, watching him embrace the bride while mothers clutch tissues and wipe away promising tears for their daughters tomorrow. Bittersweet sorrow, watching her burst from heartbreak. They told her spices don't mix, but have you seen what tectonic plates can do? Witness how a world can collide, align, universe transcend. 
It's painful for me to see how she could have been the bride. Bangro beats. Jam a bit of whiskey and Punjabi MC as they twirl away to tradition that sparks across the room. Zoom in for a second. See how sturdy light bounce off his beautiful curtis sewn into an Ankara chakras connected, circles around them, no place for hatred. Whilst their drumming hearts correspond to the beating of tablas and baseline bongos, who told you spices couldn't mix? A goosey soup eaten with roti, their very own biryani jalof, made from tolerance and acceptance of one another, whose mother's tongue has longed so long for a taste of something different. So why don't we mesh together alphabets and symbols? Let's find powerful proverbs and herbs and submit to the melodic bellows of ancestors' feet that's moved us far and wide. Look at the Pangea. How our hips once touched so connected deeper than disorderly borders and raging waves. How could we forget that? How could we forget the thin silver cord painted in every line and we are so similar yet so divided? So why don't we mold dialect? Watch it manifest. Let's create a home in ourselves to something so pure and allure. Watch sunset mangoes grow from the garden and sip lasses on hot days. To the girl who never got to marry her childhood sweetheart because her skin is as dark as the clove used in his great grandma's recipe that sat in every shelf of every generation. Verses of sweet home painted on every page. So what if we clash? Bang together pots and lids. Kids will be kids if you let them be. Why can't we coexist for love? How our roots are not limited to one soul, so why do we spend so much time raising turmoil? You can't marry her and she can't marry you, fools we are to reject something so magnetic, so ecstatic. To the girl who never got to be that bride, you are worlds collided, expanded. You are history's mystery, human, freshly ground cumin, coriander sprigs, Ginger roots, you are beauty born from sacrifices. And if only you knew that you were worth so much more than spices. Thank you. And our last open mic for this half, a round of applause please for Meryl. Hi. Um, a few weeks ago, I was uh, having a coffee in uh, St. Martin's uh, Square in the, in the cafe there. And I saw what I thought for uh, the circumstances were uh, as an unusual sight, and so I, I wrote about it. Um, and this is a description of what I saw. It's a stone gray November day. With a muffin and Americano, I stare across the square past passers-by when I spy a man of middle years, white shirt, dark tie, charcoal jacket, but then bulging black boxer shorts, bare knees, Black socks, no trousers, standing at the counter of the dry cleaners. What disaster led him to this state? What calamity would motivate a man to this? A broken zip, a flapping rip, a cruel spillage mishap ruining his pristine lap. But in his plight, he's found some hope of remedy within this shop. A grateful look across the counter. With coy nonchalance, he hops round to the shelter of the shop's back room. Can they make his trousers right? Provide rescue from this parlous plight? Thank you. Right, we are going to invite our speed poet up. So, the themes were... I've already forgotten the woman's name. Bardi got a red card. Start with the most highbrow of topics. Bardi got a red card. It's also the solstice. It's the shortest day. And I'm looking at my dad because he'll know. 
so Helen Martin winning the Hepworth Prize and the Turner Prize and then sharing the money with her art fellow artists. So Millie has had like an hour to do this, so give her a huge round of applause and see what she's come up with. Did you know I like making lists? Reasoning and researching, reaching into the abyss to pluck obscure connections, connotations and useless information. Well, you do now. Moreover, move over Microsoft in Carter. Jack and Ori's from my father. Never mind Wiki or Google. I'm not asking Jeeves and I'll skip over Bing. I begin, if it pleases you, and bring you Millipedia. Um, side note, so much more print. No sources cited or facts checked to see if it's true or not. Did you know Helen Martin was an actress who, used, who died at the ripe old age of 91 and a doctor teaching in Huddersfield, or that the name is actually spelt like the famous brands of boots? Did you know that football ballers wear boots and that there is such a thing as a two-footed tackle that wasn't a two-footed tackle unless you're the ref, which means Leicester had to win on a 10-man team in the longest fight of their life to date, well, of that night. Did you know tonight is the longest night? That technically win winter solstice is when the sun is directly over the Tropic of Capricorn or 23.5 degrees. Did you know Dr. Helen Martin has a degree in science? Did you know that science still can't explain Stonehenge, but one random web page thinks it might have something to do with the solstice? <laughs> Did you know today is the winter solstice, the shortest day? Did you know time seems inexplicably short when you're the speed poet and distractions <laughs> exponentially increase? Did you know I'd be a Hufflepuff? And that was a harder choice than my political party. Did you know... <laughs> Helen Martin had a party after winning not one, but two prizes, the Turner and the Hepworth. Did you know Jamie Vardy's net worth is £6 million? Did you know Helen won 30 grand and quite unplanned shared it round with Philadelphia Barlow, Stephen Claydon and David Modella? Anyway, apparently Jamie Vardy's quite a fella and always having a party. And Leicester won the Premier League, Helen weaves everyday objects into her works of art and today winter officially starts. That's brilliant. I think uh, Millie should get an award for doing the most Googling in an hour. That's brilliant. That's really good. Well done. That's fantastic. Cool. I'm so glad this works because if I had to write a poem in an hour, it'd be pants. Cool. Right. Okay. We're going to invite our first open mic up for this half. Uh, she's becoming a Find the Right Words regular and she's absolutely brilliant. A round of applause, please, for little Mai. Hey, everybody. I'm Lil Mai. This first poem is called Should I Be Scared? And it's about uh, coming to terms with who you are and accepting that society might not like you. <laughs> For as long as I can remember, I have been sitting on the edge of my seat, wanting to say it, but maybe I'll just put it in a tweet because I can't bring myself to say it out loud because sure, the people with rainbow flags tell me that I should be proud, but society keeps telling me something different. Sure, you have these feelings, but these feelings are insignificant because it's basic biology. And even if we accept that there's more to biology than that, we'll still use it as an insult. We'll still give you all this crap because you are different. And even if you find someone else like you, you're still the minority. You're still insignificant. So for a while, I'll hide behind the labels of bisexual, pansexual, or just tell people I'm flexible. 
Because I know there are people who really do feel that way, but for me, it never fit, it never worked, it wouldn't stay. But hey, if I'm bisexual, I can still be normal, I can still end up with a man. So I'll get a boyfriend who I care about, but to love, I never can. At least I can tell people I tried being normal once. Didn't work. <laughs> so you'll just have to deal with me and deal with all my quirks, because I don't think it's a matter of normal and abnormal. I think it's me and it's you. They say everyone's accepting now, but I'm not sure if that's true, because I've come face to face with a select few who no matter what I do will hate me. Just look across the pond. The VP elect thinks he can shock the gate out of me. So should I be scared? Because a few months ago, I came out as gay. It's something intimate that I had to share because people were looking at me in a different way than how I felt. And when I told some people, I saw their faces melt because this world isn't aimed at people like me. Society has decided that normal is he plus she. Whilst here I stand in the realms of impossibility because she plus she, no, that can't be. My book says Adam and Eve final accept that you exist, but I won't let you marry. Because if I unite with another woman, that's me stepping on your rights, apparently. And I remember when it was just a nasty rumor going around the school. She's a fucking dyke, because I was never cool. And I wanted so badly for them to be wrong. I wanted to be able to stand up tall and strong and say, no, I like boys. Because I live in a world where if I could say that, I could stand up proud with poise. Because that place where I was never cool, well, that was at Catholic school. So you could be as homophobic because you like, and the teachers wouldn't bat an eye. And I grew up in church, and I love my church family, but it breaks my heart to know that some of the congregation would reject me. And people think it's weird that I'm gay and a Christian, but I don't think my God is filled with hate and conditions. So if you've ever been called homophobic or a bigot because of the views you hold, well, I'm not here to judge. I just need you to be told from someone like me that this isn't the way I chose to be. And I'm not saying I'm ashamed or I would change it, but if you asked me a few years ago when I was still in the closet, well, why should I be punished because of who I am? And when did you decide to be straight? Good sir or madame. Thank you. Brilliant. Our last uh, open micer for this half, he's brand new to Final Words, so make him really, really welcome. It's Daniel. Hi. I'll do four short uh, poems for you tonight. So, state of mind. Fatal linear state of mind, where has my beloved sadness gone to? I've lost my perfect state of mind, for when I cry, I smile, for when I try to scream, I laugh. Where has the pleasure of pain gone? Is this the end of it all? Where have my sweet dark dreams gone? Grotesque sights that are nothing but memories. Have I been cured from myself? It's sad now that the end of perfect, perfect sadness is nothing but a steer of joy. I'm going to introduce our final headliner for this evening. Well, I might get his hat back. Um, so I've known Ben for quite a few years. I think we were sort of starting out together when he was uh, a student in Birmingham and I was going over there a lot for, for open mic nights. And he's kind of, he's a poet who's just reliably brilliant. You know that when you're going to a Ben Norris gig, he, he, he will put on a really good show. And he does this thing called a poem a week where he actually writes a poem a week and he puts them online. And they're really um, professional videos. They look really good. Um, and if I wrote a poem a week, 
80% of them would be total rubbish. But um, he's he's really, really good. So I'm so glad that he's uh, come to perform for us this evening. So round of applause, please, for Ben Norris. <laughs> So, I don't know about you, but I've been really enjoying Planet Earth 2 on the BBC. Yeah, it's fantastic, beautiful cinematography, and you can really see where the licence fee goes. Um, it's lovely, I really love it. It's also made me uh, realise how shit human babies are compared to most animal babies. Um, that lizard that is born and instantly has to outrun a dozen massive snakes. Um, and then uh, more recently in, I believe, the Grasslands episode, um, there was a, a sort of antelope thing. I really should have researched its name before this little bit. Um, but it's born and then its mum fucks off for a couple of days and it has to learn to walk in that interim period with no supervision. And then its mum gets back and goes, good, you've learned to walk and you've not been eaten. Now let us go 6,000 miles. And, and it's, oh, but at least we can do it at our own pace, nice and sedate and, um, you know, and, and kind of learn about the world as we go. You must run from the wolf instead. The wolf will kill you and faster than Usain Bolt a two week old antelope thing has to run from a wolf uh, but it wins and how euphoric was that um, anyway that's this poem is not about that really in any way um, it is about planet earth 2 but it's about the idea of a planet earth 2 which I thought was quite interesting so, uh, so it goes like this planet earth 2 is thinner than ever Planet Earth 2 contains the following upgrades and bug fixes. Interfaith dialogue. Patience. Context. Colorblind police. Infinitely renewable, non-renewable energy sources. Only your favorite foods. Only your favorite people. Only tolerable music. 2016 removed as causing problems for some users. Politics function replaced with all-night dance-a-thon. Enhanced typeface. Compliments-only setting. As many chances as you need. As many bullets as you need. Planet Earth 2 has had the headphone jack removed. Planet Earth 2 is now remorse-free. Planet Earth 2 also comes with sleep mode. Unlimited hindsight, free Wi-Fi, the ability to add or remove children, loneliness to wisdom converter, compulsory sport, compulsory art, compulsory empathy, benefit of the doubt, no first-hand shops, one complimentary hug at the beginning and end of each day, peanut butter now tax deductible, all toilets unisex. All colors, gender neutral. Planet Earth 2 was designed in California and assembled in China. Planet Earth 2 is repayable in easy monthly installments. Planet Earth 2 allows you to love the right person first time round. Planet Earth 2 contains no small print. Planet Earth 2 is all small print. Planet Earth 2 is only sunrises. Planet Earth 2 is only destinations. Planet Earth 2 is only T's and C's. Planet Earth 2 reserves the right to. Planet Earth 2 begs the question. Planet Earth 2 is yours for just. 
Planet Earth 2 is currently out of stock. When we first started dating, she would email me from work. It was easier, she said, than texting. She cast me as Sharon, a print shop employee from whom she was ordering a thing. <laughs> Dear Sharon, she would begin, before scheming our weekends, recounting whatever fresh controversy had careened through her boss's Clapham studio. Woman's hour, banned again, she'd say. And then some lowercase confession, a borrowed T-shirt, our steady exchange of skin, the smell of that shared shower, lips and mint, a list of all the things she sneaked while I was sleeping in, and then some play fight order. I need 6,000 tiny paper men by 5 p.m. today, she'd say. Thank you, Sharon. Now I tug this too short dress down awkward, hairy thighs. Step out onto the treacle street once more. Look left, look right. Eyes like lines cast into stagnant night, but nothing bites. My face, the big sad clown of an eight-year-old's first makeup try. I check my watch, head back inside. She must be stuck, I tell my boss. The owner of the print shop, whose name I've had to script myself. It's Gary, he's lovely. She must be running late, I say. You know the northern line's a sticky state this time of day. My phone as quiet taut as the least loquacious pin to play. She'll be on her way. I hold and drag and drag and drop the baited breath of my inbox. Fold out my pride like crumpled notes. Quick breath, puff chest, click, compose. Hi, love. Sharon, <laughs> we once wrote, you must remember those. It's Sharon. Okay. <laughs> this is a sonnet about the same girl. Um, uh, I don't really write in formal forms much, but I did this time uh, for any form fans out there. There's one, and he's a professional poetry coordinator. <laughs> uh, so this is called The Other Couple, and it goes like this. The couple on the overground who'd bought pillows, so obviously in love, reminded me of us, except that they'd bought pillows. They'd probably been together for a while, and I wondered whether we, stiff as two new poker decks, would still enjoy that turn to face, that up and down of eyes, that kiss, that smile in five years' time. Whether you'd still hang your finger's spine in the noose of mine. Whether hook of head would find nook of neck. Whether we'd buy duck or goose instead. Whether we will ever truly share a bed. And the answer is no. <laughs> uh, this is called The Elephant in the Room and All of Its Friends. You ask me whether or not I should have written those poems about our breakup. You are hurt, and I understand why, and I feel truly sorry, and I think hard on the best analogy. Is it? You cannot unthink a had thought. 
No, because it doesn't have to pass your mouth, and so it does not pass my pen. And I wander from this room of the party to another room of the party, stepping over the dead dog on the carpet, wondering whether to comment on the fact that it's dead or that it's there at all. <laughs> I'm going to finish with a short one and a longer one about masculinity, and then I'm going to leave you alone. Um, I've just finished touring a show which came here. Did anyone come, by the way? I'm really interested. I don't think anyone did, and it's hilariously terrible audience retention. Did anyone come to see The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Family at Upstairs at the Westin? Amazing. Literally no one. Well, it was fucking brill. They're obviously all just still, like, getting over how good it was, so they couldn't come here this evening. Um... No, it's about me and my dad, and beyond that, it kind of is a show about masculinity and about men and their ability to communicate with one another or not sometimes and the things that are sort of taboo in that. Um, and as part of the tour, I performed it at the South Bank Centre um, in an amazing festival they have called Being a Man Festival, uh, which is brilliant and um, a, a massively essential part of feminism as it grows and develops um, to have a conversation about masculinity as well and all of the many unhelpful pressures put on young men to be a certain way that perpetuate misogyny and homophobia and violence against women and all of these terrible things. So I think it's a shared project and anyone that isn't on board with that needs to be. Um, because it, you come up against a lot of criticism doing the festival from people who think, why do we need a festival about men? Every day is being a man day. And I understand that, but it's it goes beyond that. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. So check it out. But anyway, did some PR things in the lead up to that, including going on Five Live to talk about it. And lots of people ringing in. They had a phone in. Uh, if anyone invites you on a five live phone in, refuse point blank because they're mental and uh, they, they pick the most mental people for you to talk to. But anyway, a lot of people ringing up with um, similar sounding criticisms, but from the opposite end of the sort of liberal spectrum, which is, you know, why do we need a festival about masculinity? Masculinity is fine. I am fine. Fuck you. I am Rob in my shed in Oldham. Get off. Um, and uh, you sort of think if you're that resistant to having something investigated or questioned, maybe that's all the more reason to explore it. I don't know. Um, and you can't say, ah, oh, you see, Rob, in saying that, you've really just proved why we need the festival um, because it's really patronising uh, and maybe not true. Uh, Rob may b be fine, <laughs> but if he's ringing up... I doubt it. Anyway, uh, the only other thing you need to know about this is that there was an amazing anecdote doing the rounds that weekend because Roger Moore was one of the other speakers and when Roger Moore was playing James Bond he would regularly have to retake a lot of the scenes that he shot um, in which he fired his gun because he would blink when it went off because he was scared of the noise that it made. Which is, isn't it wonderful? Because it's the absolute opposite of everything we think about when we think about Bond. This kind of like all shagging, all killing masculine archetype and hero um so yeah so that's that's that this is called man shed there's a shed at the bottom of the garden and they're all in there <laughs> blinking bond is in there earmuffs on honing his blase destruction practicing utter indifference quieting the child of himself it's a sneeze. I keep sneezing, he tells his shed mates, then runs to the corner, his trailer, to weep. Strongest he looks all week. Evil Knievel is in there, unscrewing his stabilizers, brewing a five-mile stare. Each night in his dreams, he falls from her arms, screams, Mother! Then punches a car. Clarkson and Hammond and May are in there. 
sniggering like cartoon schoolboys, fixing a thing and then breaking a thing, setting the bar, tinkering, getting away with it. The biggest pair of lads in the world and James May. <laughs> Chris Evans is in there too. Tired, but fine. Welder's goggles, cauterized pride. He doesn't say much. Rob from Oldham is in there. Calling a helpline. Telling the helpline to fuck off. Disputing the need for the helpline. Insisting it's missed on the windows. And I am also there. Drawing this poem in the drops in reverse. Spelling occasionally shot. Hoping that someone will notice. Hoping the door to the shed does unlock. Okay, one more and then I'll leave you. Uh, but I just want to say thanks. Um, so much to Jess for having me. Uh, I've done Find the Right Words years and years ago when it was at the Cookie um, in town for any Find the Right Words fans among you, which is everyone. Um, uh, yeah, and, and it's really nice to be back here and those lights are really nice. Uh, that sounds insincere, but it's not. Um, they are. Uh, yeah, um, do please watch the, the poems if you like any of what you've heard because they've all been or, or probably will be at some point poem a week poems. And I'm on Twitter at Ben Norris 7 if you give a shit about that um, sort of thing. So this is another one about masculinity and how unhelpful uh, it sometimes is. Um, and it sort of came from realising that all of the terms that we use to talk about mental wellness or all the old school terms come from a kind of a place of needing to cover things up or put a lid on things or put a brave face on. And it's this kind of, um, yeah, it's all facade based terminology, really, which isn't, isn't very healthy. Uh, so this is called Punchline. And I'm going to leave you. Pull yourself together, lad, like a pair of fusty lemon curtains. No one wants to see that. Batten down your hatches, lad, lest anyone see inside. Lest the sugared wound of you bleed freely. Lest your seeds be sown too deeply. Lest you cannot fold neatly, lad. No one wants to see that. Pull yourself together, lad. What a horrid view. Get your head above the water. Don't let me see you kick. Don't let me see you flinch. Don't let me see you soft, lad. The wheels on the bus have come off, lad. The bus is an Uber, late night bike ride. No lights, lad. Orchestral maneuver in the dark, in the dark. What did the doctor say to the man who felt like a pair of curtains? Nothing. The doctor was A, rightly striking. B, woefully ill-equipped to deal with problems of the male psyche. C, not there on Saturdays. So the man went home, left right away up the down escalator in a Kafkaesque mockery of himself. It's not funny, said the woman on reception. It's still a woman on reception. It's not a joke, said the man, realizing now that even his most routine appointments had become metaphors. He does a little tired laugh, just one. <laughs> That's what he would have done in the film of this moment. Steps out into the paving slab day which greeted him like a former high school teacher in a petrol station forecourt. Forced thought, forged forward, barely remembered. Stiff Tupperware words, frosted glass, a Venetian blind 
pulling himself together so we don't have to. Keeping his hair on so we don't have to. Getting a hold of himself so we don't have to. <laughs> doctor, doctor, said the man. I feel <sighs> like a pair of curtains, offered the doctor. <coughs> knock, knock, <laughs> said the man. Who's there? Offered the doctor. Brilliant, thank you. Can we another round for round of applause for Ben Norris and Keith Thompson and everyone who's performed this evening? Including Millie, who did our speed poem. Cool, right, we are back on the uh, 15th of January with Carl Seeleaf and Michelle Madsen. And remember, the first five people who pre-book every mic slots, uh, you'll be placed into a random draw to receive uh, an hour's mentoring with Bogdan. Uh, and it will be a very fair random draw that I will film and put online. Uh, have a lovely Christmas, and we'll see you in 2017.